This is I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. The following is a recent Sunday morning message given by Pastor Robert Brown. We're going to come out of Romans 3.23, the New Living Translation. Amen. Hallelujah. Here Paul is unveiling to the Roman church members um, where man's place is before God. All right. And he reads, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Amen. God's glorious standard was uh, made known through his law or his Ten Commandments and the 613 other laws that were rooted in the Ten Commandments. So, in other words, we all fall short or don't measure up to God's standard. That's where man stands before God without God's intervention in his life. Amen. So we're going to talk about today um, how Christianity deals with this as opposed to the other religions of the world. Amen. So won't you join me as I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me first reveal the, the message title to you. Hallelujah. From sin to righteousness, understanding Christianity's unique approach to sin and the pathway to righteousness. Amen. As I mentioned before, we're going to see how Christianity deals with man's um, fallenness. Where, where man is, that he doesn't measure up to God's standard. And we're going to see how Christianity deals with it. And I want you to strap on your seatbelts because this may deal with some long-held beliefs that we have as Christians about Christianity and our personal Christian walk. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you and bless you today because you do all things well. We thank you, Lord God, for today's service, today's online service. And we pray that you draw everyone you've ordained to be a part of this service, Lord God. Draw them to their computers, their tablets, their cell phones, Lord God. Whatever internet uh, device, connected device, Lord God, that you've ordained for them to be on today, Lord God. That they might be able to, hallelujah, hear a word about your son today and be filled to overflowing. Have your way, Lord God. I decrease that you might increase in me. You are the preacher. You are the teacher. Preach today. Teach today like never before. We thank you. We praise you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. All right. From sin to righteousness, understanding Christianity's unique approach to sin and the pathway to righteousness. All right. Here we go. All right, mankind's state of being apart from God. So how are we apart from God as human beings? We're going to go to Isaiah 64 and 6, and we're going to read out of the New Living Translation. Okay. Thank you, Lord. 
And we know Isaiah was the eagle-eyed prophet. Amen. So this was uh, hundreds of years before uh, Jesus walked the earth. And let's understand that Isaiah was ministering to uh, the Jews, but that we as mankind can all draw from this because the Jews really represented us. They represented mankind. All right. And it reads, it says, we are all infected and impure with sin. Oh, my goodness. That's that's a heavy pill to take. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. So we're talking about where man stands before God. Every religion of the world believes that man can redeem himself or become righteous through his own good deeds. Here, Isaiah is pointing out that our, we are all infected and impure with sin, and our righteousness is as filthy rags as it says in the King James Version. Amen. So our good deeds don't measure up to God's standard. Amen. So we as Christians, it's incumbent upon us to understand this, that we cannot gain a greater advantage with God or greater uh, love from God through our good deeds. We cannot work our way into heaven. The other religions of the world, whatever they call heaven, they are trying to work them, their ways into heaven and to good favor with God by the things they wear, by the things they eat or do not eat. Amen. This is what religions engage in. And then unfortunately, uh, a lot of those in the Christian world try, with a lack of understanding for what true Christianity is, we try to impress God or to gain God's favor through our good deeds. But here Isaiah is identifying our good deeds as filthy rags in comparison to God. We're headed somewhere today. Amen. We're talking about the pathway from sin to righteousness. Amen. And Christianity's unique position amongst uh, the religions of the world. Now, we, we, we as Christians don't view Christianity as a religion. It's a relationship. Amen. So that's one thing. Amen. But the pathway from sin to righteousness is different within Christianity. Amen. So our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. So we got to get out of this self-righteous attitude that has been taught to us and that we uh, have a mindset about. Amen. Because it, it's counterintuitive Christianity, Christianity's approach from sin to righteousness. All right. Hallelujah. So it's, it's, it's against convention. It's, it's not as obvious as we think the pathway from sin to righteousness okay all right i hope you're still with me amen let's move on no one is good that's that's another pill to take that no one is good now we call each other good in comparison to each other oh he's a good man or she's a good woman now we when we when we say those things and and, and what we're really doing is we're comparing 
ourselves to one another or that individual we've deemed good to one another, but no one is good. And that's that's hard to take, but it is the truth. Amen. Let's let's see what's that all about. Amen. Let's go to Romans three and ten. Amen. This is Paul teaching the the Romans some heavy doctrine here. The Roman church. Amen. So we're going to begin in verse 10. King James Version. And it's and it reads, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now he's quoting from David in the book of Psalms and Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes as he as he uh writes this and speaks this to the Romans. So as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Let's move on. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. That's verse 11. Verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. unprofitable excuse me. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. I know there's the temptation as a Christian to tout our good deeds. And I don't want you to be confused, amen. God would like us to flow in good works. But it's not the good works that gain us God's favor, amen, hallelujah. There's something else that we've not, we're not going to get to just yet. Amen. Hallelujah. But we need to take the emphasis as Christians off of our doing, our good deeds. And if I need to get more specific, amen, and please hold on and don't turn off this stream, amen, and get mad at me, amen, glory to God. But we like to brag about our good deeds to one another. And we like to do that during testimony service or wherever. You know, we, we like to brag about how long we fasted. We like to brag about that we have a special relationship with God that nobody else has. We, we like to, and, and, and when we do this, we are showing our lack of understanding of what the Bible unveils about the Christian's pathway from sin to righteousness or mankind's pathway I should say from sin to righteousness all right hallelujah no pastor brown is not saying today that good works are bad no good works are good but they have a place amen hallelujah and their place is not to impress God their place is not to impress fellow Christians amen hallelujah they are Good deeds are symbolic, or they should be symbolic, of where you are in your walk with God. All right? They should be a temperature gauge, but it sh it, it, they should not be viewed as gaining more favor from God or God loving you more than other Christians or even that you have worked your way to heaven. Those are not Christian concepts. Those are concepts that other religions believe in and act upon. Unfortunately, as I mentioned before, we as Christians, oftentimes we mimic what other religions do. And that's not the true pathway of Christianity. All right. All right. Let's move on. Mankind's attempt to follow laws won't make him righteous. Oh, it's another bitter pill to swallow. That our attempts to follow laws won't make us righteous. 
Help us, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're getting doctrine today. We're getting doctrine today. Hallelujah. We're getting the understanding of Christianity today. Let's let's see what this is all about. We're coming out of Romans 3 and 20. Now we're reading the Amplified Version. And it reads, For no person will be justified, freed of guilt, and declared righteous in his sight by trying to do the works of the law. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, no person will be justified or freed from guilt. So we can't free ourselves from guilt or be declared righteous in his sight, in God's sight, by trying to do the works of the law. I didn't write this. I was not alive when this was written. These are the words of Paul. So this may shake the foundations of your walk when you read this. This, this may unnerve you a little bit, but we're, God is trying to unveil to us what is the pathway from man from sin to righteousness. So now we're reading here that the pathway is not through uh, trying to do the works of the law. Now, you've heard me say over and over again, those of, uh, those of us that are regular uh, viewers of uh, this online stream or those of you that are members of the Living Waters Christian Center, you've heard me say this over and over again. The law, the Ten Commandments and the associated 613 laws that the Jews or the Hebrews followed are holy, they are just, and they, go and they are good. But, as we just read here, they cannot justify us. They cannot free us of guilt. Let me continue reading this. It says, for through the law, we become conscious of sin and the recognition of sin directs us towards repentance or a change of mind that word there's metanoia which is a change of mind but provides no remedy for sin so what is the purpose of the ten commandments in the 613 associated laws that the hebrews the israelites the children of israel followed their purpose is to give us a recognition of sin that when what we are doing is wrong they identify sin in our lives that's what they do but provide no remedy for the sin they also have the purpose of directing us towards repentance or a change of mind that we would see that our ways are wrong that we need to change from those ways but they do not provide a remedy for the sin that we are caught up in or the state that we are in now many of us grew up in churches where there was an imbalance of scripture presented to you and a point of view that was presented to you that was not the full revelation of God. What am I talking about? Many of us were raised strictly on the Old Testament portion of the Bible. Now, in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, by and large, the law, and which is the Ten Commandments, and the other 613 laws that are rooted in it are front and center. And we see that the Hebrews are endeavoring to keep these laws, are demanded to keep these laws, and they're demanded 
amen, from each other. And you can see where there are places they're demanded by God. And the reason they are demanded by God in the Old Testament is because they chose to be like the other religions of the world and ask God for laws. And he acquiesced to their demand. And once they joined into that covenant, then he made that demand upon them, knowing that they could not keep the law. How do you know that God knew that the children of Israel in the Old Testament portion of the Bible could not keep the law? How do you, how do you know that God knew that they couldn't? Because God instituted the sacrificial system where they would have to sacrifice an animal, kill an animal to pay for or temporarily pay for their sins. That's how you know that God knew they couldn't keep his law. All right. So getting back to my point here. So since we have been raised mostly on the Old Testament, we as modern day Christians have a point of view that we must keep the law in order to be considered righteous, in order to gain God's approval, in order to remedy sin. Here in Romans 3.20, the Amplified Version, Paul is unveiling that we cannot remedy sin or gain God's approval through keeping the law. Listen, I understand that I'm messing with maybe your whole life. Your whole life as a Christian. But in 1 Corinthians, it states that the strength of sin is the law. So many of us who were brought up in these churches and maybe mama taught us this way or daddy taught us this way or our pastor taught us this way. And when they taught us this way and it was law, law, law. Do this, do that. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. When they taught us this way, as I mentioned to you, 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, I, I, I can't remember the exact verse. It's, it's in the 40 somewhere. It says, the strength of sin is the law. When we are very legalistic in our Christianity, we are really pushing people towards sin. When we say to young women, keep your legs closed. When we say to young men, you better get yourself together. When we do those things, we are really pushing those young people into sin. If the strength of sin is the law. And what do I mean by that? If there's a sign up that says do not touch, there's something about that do not touch that tempts us to touch it. Or tempts us to do it. Now the weakness of the law is the human nature. We read that no one's good, no not one. So how can we in our state of fallenness, of being not good, then keep a holy law? I know it's getting deep today, amen, hallelujah. What I want you to take away from this scripture is that the law provides no remedy of sin. The law's purpose is to help us to recognize that we're in and of ourselves not good. Repent and know that we need more than the law. There's something more that 
we need in order to become righteous as human beings. Amen. All right. I know we're deep today. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Justification or being made righteous by faith. Uh oh. You may not believe in this. Can you become righteous by faith? Now, you may be saying to yourself, no. But this is Christianity's difference from the other religions of the world. Being justified or made righteous by faith, not by works. Every other religion, we're trying to be justified or redeem ourselves through works. But it's by faith in Christianity. That's the difference. Amen. Let's look what, see what I'm talking about. Amen. We're going to go to Romans 3.21, the Amplified Version. So the very next verse. Amen. And this is Paul. He's still speaking. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been clearly revealed independently and completely apart from the law. So he's saying the righteousness of God has been revealed separate from the law. Hmm. What does he mean by this? Though it is actually confirmed by the law. And the words and writings of the prophets. This is a little confusing. So he's saying the righteousness of God is being revealed, has clearly been revealed separate from the Ten Commandments. And it's been, but also is confirmed by the Ten Commandments and the writings of the prophets. So whenever you say, you read, excuse me, the law and the prophets, whenever you read this in scripture, it's just referring to the Old Testament. This is how the Hebrew mind thought of uh, the Old Testament. Right. They don't call it the Old Testament. We do as Christians, but they think of it in terms of the law and the prophets. All right. So let's go to the next verse. Verse 22 says this righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all. Let's stop there for a second. You mean to tell me, brother pastor, that the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all or everyone yes that's what that's what christianity is righteousness by faith this is the pathway for mankind to be leave from sin to righteousness is by faith and i know this tears down a lot of what you guys have been taught and what I've been taught as a younger Christian about righteousness, that it was by works. But here, Paul, the greatest writer of the New Testament, tells us that righteousness is received by faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You should be saying, whew. You know, I used to work really hard to be a Christian, man. I used to, you know, and, and not that I don't put in effort now, but I was stressed out about reaching my call and reaching the stature that God has for me. And I would work real hard to try to do everything right. And I never got there because that was not the pathway that God ordained for we as Christians to follow. All right. So let me read this again. Romans 3.22, Amplified Version. The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the center of it all. For all those, Jew or Gentile, 
Now we, unless we have some Jewish brothers and sisters on, we are Gentiles. We are non-Jews who believe and trust in him, him being Christ, and acknowledge him as God's son. There is no distinction. He is God's son. He is the um, star of the Bible. He is the main character of the Bible, Jesus Christ, even in the Old Testament. He was there. He was, he was the Ark of the Covenant. He represented the Ark of the Covenant, amen, in the Old Testament. Uh, he, he was represented by Noah's Ark. He was oftentimes referred to as the angel of the Lord. He was in the Old Testament. And now he's revealed in the new to be the son of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Let's move on. Jumping down to verse 24, the Amplified Version. And it reads, and being just, justified or declared free of the guilt of sin. So how are we declared free from the guilt of sin? By faith in Jesus Christ as the son of God. This is different from the other religions of the world. They believe they are freed from the guilt of sin through works. We as Christians are freed, declared free by God from the guilt of sin by faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So let me begin this again. And being justified, declared free of the guilt of sin, made acceptable to God. Oh, my Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're made acceptable to God and granted eternal life as a gift. Oh, my God. Whoo, Jesus. It's a gift. Righteousness is a gift. We keep trying. You can't earn a gift. A gift is given because of the benevolence of the giver or the, the goodwill of the giver. And I know I'm messing with our human relationships now because some of us, we work to get gifts from one another. A gift is based on the goodwill of the giver. And in this case, it's God. By his precious undeserved grace. A gift is undeserved. And in this case, God bestowed righteousness upon us by his grace or his undeserved favor. Hallelujah. Through the redemption, redemption is the payment for our sin. That was Jesus paid for our sin. Amen. Which is provided in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So what can we take from this here? Amen. That we are justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's not something we earned. It's a gift of God's undeserved favor. It's telling us that God is good and chose to be good to mankind. In particular, mankind that is open to receiving this gift. By way of Jesus Christ, by believing in Jesus Christ, somebody say hallelujah. I know I'm messing with your theology today and your whole concept of Christianity, but this is true Christianity, not as written by me, but as written by, in this case, Paul. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Let me say this again. And I feel led to say this. We must understand even the teachings of Christ. Christ, in many ways, taught about the Old Testament way. Because when he was alive, he was still in the Old Testament. Amen. The Old Testament did not end until he died on the cross. The New Testament began when he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. And the church began. Amen. When he sent his Holy Spirit. Amen. It's just a little aside, but just to give you some perspective. Amen. All right. Let's move on. We're going to look at the main clause or the point, the main point of the New Testament. So God's plan to rescue mankind from sin. This is this scripture I'm about to share with you. And some of you may have seen it before. Amen. Is the main point or the main idea of the book. So if some of us, if you remember doing book reports when you were growing up and you had to put in the main idea. This next scripture is the main idea that you would put in that place in your book report. All right. Holiday, the book report of the Bible. All right. Let's look at it. Hebrews 8 and 12. I'm reading from the King James Version. This would be the main idea. This is, this is, uh, this is the writer of Hebrews. We're not sure who that is. Quoting from Jeremiah. Hallelujah. And he reads, and it reads, For I will, and this is from God's point of view, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. So God's declaring through Jeremiah that he will be merciful to mankind's unrighteousness. Well, specifically the Jews, but uh, uh, Jeremiah was speaking to, but they, it applies to all mankind. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. So God's point of view is to be merciful to mankind's unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities we all know what sins are but iniquities are when we know what's right but we willfully choose to do the wrong thing we've all been there you know what was right from wrong from for many of us not all of us but the but for 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 many of us we knew what to do was right and we still did the wrong thing and God's here saying that he will be merciful to that hallelujah so we want people to be thrown away and beat up and destroyed but God said I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness to their unholy ways and their sins their their their, their transgressions of the law and their willful choice when they know right from wrong to do wrong, which iniquities are, will I remember no more? God's plan. Knowing that man made a choice to live independent of him and to live in sin. God before creation had a plan of redemption or buying man back from his poor choice. God decided to be merciful to mankind's unrighteousness and his state of unrighteousness and merciful to man's sins and merciful to man's willful decision to sin even when he knows right from wrong 
and says that he will remember it no more. My God. This is the main point or the main idea of the Bible. God's plan of redemption or buying man back from his evil state. Man's not inherently good. Man's inherently evil. This is not to beat you up or make you feel bad, but this is a sobering point. Amen. We are not inherently good. We're inherently evil. We, being inherently evil, can't please God, as we saw in Isaiah 64 and 6, cannot earn heaven, are not like other religions of the world that believe they can gain God's favor, God's approval, and work their way to heaven through good deeds. We learned that the law's purpose is to identify us as sinners in need of a savior and we see that God's main point of the Bible is to be merciful to us and his mercy is um, is displayed through him sending his son to die in our place amen hallelujah and then he declares that I will remember your sins no more God doesn't remember your sins if you are a Christian anymore. Now, you and I may remember other people's sins and may bring them up when it's convenient for us, but God doesn't. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, His ways are higher than our ways. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we took God's approach when we treat and interact with each other? You know, I believe I mentioned this last week, but God has really been dealing with me about this lately. And he's been dealing with me because I've made bad decisions, even as a pastor. He says, I want you to stop dealing with the congregation's sins or those around you and your family, your wife, your children, your own. Stop dealing with sins and really focus on my son, Jesus Christ. Because in so doing, as unveiling Christ to all that you come in contact with, their focus won't be on their own sins, it'll be on Christ. And as we are focused on Christ, we're not thinking about sin. And thus, our lifestyles will change without us even knowing it. Hallelujah. I know this is a new different way of thinking, amen, but it is the Christian way. Let's get our final scripture here. Conclusion. Jesus, our scapegoat. You ever been in a situation, whether it was you or, or something you viewed or you had knowledge of, where someone took the fall that didn't deserve it? That someone took the blame that didn't deserve it? That, you know, especially people that are narcissistic, we always blame everybody else. Narcissistic means when you can't see your own wrong way, that you believe that you are good all the time and every choice that you make is wonderful and that nothing's wrong with it. And that you blame everything else. Well, in this case, 
And there's even pictures of this in the, uh, in the Old Testament where, you know, the sacrificial system is where the animals were taking the blame for the Hebrews' sinful ways. They would transfer their unrighteousness to the animal and the animal would transfer its innocence to uh, the Israelites. And when we use people as scapegoats, we transfer our sin to them and we take their innocence. The ultimate example of this is Jesus Christ. We, or God, I should say, we had nothing to do with it. <laughs> God transferred our sin to Jesus and transferred something to us. Let, let, let's see what happened. Amen. Our last scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and we are done for the day. We're reading from the Amplified Version. It reads, and this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. It reads, he made Christ who knew no sin judicially. So he legally knew no sin. He had experienced no sin. He had acted in a sinful way at no time. So he made Christ who knew no sin judicially to be sin on our behalf. So legally, Christ became sin on mankind's behalf. He became the sin offering on our behalf. He became that animal that uh, the animals were symbolic of Christ. I'm not calling Christ an animal, but the animals, were, the sacrificial system was symbolic of what Christ would do at the cross. Amen. He symbolically became the sin offering. Hallelujah. He legally had the sins of the whole wide world of mankind throughout all the millennium that he is on the earth have been transferred to Christ. So he made Christ who knew no sin to judicially become sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him, him being God, and placed in a right relationship with him or Father God by his gracious, loving kindness. So in other words, our sins our past, present, and future for all mankind were transferred to the body of Christ. He became sinned. And that's what he said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me for the first time in his existence? Father God turned his back on God the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God. At that moment, he became sin for you and I. My God. And in return, through his loving kindness, his innocence was transferred to all those who would receive Jesus as the Son of God. We have the innocence or the righteousness of Christ applied to our lives. This is Christianity's uniqueness and our pathway from sin to righteousness. It's by faith we are justified or made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. Your sins were transferred to the body of Christ. You know what your sins are. If you want to keep it real, you know what you did. And even things 
that you have not done yet were transferred to the body of Christ because of God's graciousness and loving kindness. He took our imperfections and punished them on the body of Christ and made you and I that are Christians righteous because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Somebody say, hallelujah, I'm done. Friends, if you were impacted by this message about Jesus Christ and want to receive his love and forgiveness, say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Please forgive me of all sins, transgressions, and iniquities. I believe you died to pay the penalty for all my sins, past, present, and future. I believe you rose from the dead as the evidence that Father God accepted your sacrifice for my sins. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you said that prayer sincerely, you are saved and one day going to heaven. So God bless you, God loves you, and go on with the Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us at I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. We hope the message blessed you and unveiled the love of Christ to you in a greater way. God bless.